We've been looking at a series on uh, culture, building different cultures in the church, and the purpose of that is that actually we need, to, we need to be aiming at how God wants us to live and who we called to be and created to be. And I've said a few times that what we believe fashions or informs our values, and our values shape our culture, and our culture is what we do automatically. So it's who we are, how we do things, why we do things, and um, I think we need to be intentional about those things, because if we're not, we can easily go off track on different routes. And so we've been looking at different things about building a culture based on the truth of God's word, building a culture that looks at um, witnessing and planting churches and um, sharing the gospel and evangelism. We looked at generosity. Um, and so this morning, uh, and we looked at prayer, culture of prayer this morning, I want to look um, at the culture of servanthood and team. It might seem a little bit odd, but uh, they're really, really important. And as we look at these, we might see that to some degree we're operating and living in that, but there's always more that we can do to become more and more like Jesus. And uh, there's always, we are always a work in progress. And so today's one is actually quite a challenging one. Because our purpose is to know God, to grow in our relationship with him and make him known. So in other words, tell others about him. So we live with a purpose that is beyond ourselves to declare and preach the gospel, to make disciples, to see people whole and healed. Um, and when we, we do that by looking at Jesus and following his example, and we see that Jesus was the servant king, or is the servant king. He gave himself up unto death that we could live and, uh, and, and have life. And so as we look at that, and as we see him as our focus and the one that we take our cue from and, and who we follow, this area of servanthood and team is a challenging and difficult one because it's not what we see in the world. The world we live in is not a world that loves or goes after being a servant or even working in team. I know team is a big buzzword in business and everything else, but really at the heart of it is fallen man with a selfish heart. And everything is really about individualistic and selfishness and all of those things. Um, and it's important that we take our focus from Jesus and our, and, our, and our starting point as the word of God. When we look at the world, the world seems to place more importance on being served rather than being the one who serves. If you just look at, the, if, if you just look at how it's rewarded... Those being served are usually rewarded far more financially and other things than those who are the servants. And actually we live in a culture that also has created this almost entitlement culture. Where we're entitled to this, we're entitled to that. And yet when we look at the word of God, we're to be servants. When we look at Jesus, the servant king, he served and laid his life down. And so it's not an easy one because most of us, it's a, that's a very broad statement, but because of the fallenness of man, our natural inclination isn't towards, towards servanthood, 
it's away from it. And it isn't really towards team without God, but really fighting for me in my corner. So this morning as we look at it, it might be a bit of a challenge. But I hope as we look at it, our hearts are opened so that we can make the adjustments. Now most of you know that uh, I was a hockey coach until a couple of years ago. And I remember when I first took on coaching the team, we had they, they, they were a great bunch of kids, weren't doing too well. Actually, they were doing appallingly um, in the league. But the problem was each one was wanting to get the ball and do their own thing. And after every match, the first match I took on, after every match, they had what was called the man of a match. That was the pattern. And we see it in football. We see it in everything. My first change I did was I said, okay, after that first one, I said, we're never doing that ever again. From next week, we're not going to have man of the match. We're going to have team player of the match. Now, just to try and change a thinking that actually we're supposed to be a team, but I'm still fighting for my corner. We're supposed to be a team, but I still want the ball and score the goal and get the glory. But actually, we need to realize that we need to work together. And so that's what we did. We process, And it was just changing and then all the um, coaching and everything else. By the end, when I left, every, at the end of every match, I asked, who's the team player of the match? You probably got the 11 players on a hockey team, if you didn't know, 11 different names. Which is exactly what needed to be. Because we're in this together. But you see, they were growing up, just like all of us, with this mentality of, I'm fighting my corner. I might like the idea of team, but really I want the glory. I might like the idea of all those things, but really I'm the one who wants to be at the front. And, and so as we look at these things, they do challenge every part. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to 18. Uh, and you'll see it pretty much sums up everything. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not, not, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from, my fa- coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Really, if, if we took the word, read the word and applied the word, that's kind of it. Uh, I can sit down. If we read this, really read it. Not just something, oh, I've read that before and it kind of skips through our mind, but actually look at it. It speaks into both these areas. Be like-minded, having the same love, be of one spirit, speaks of unity and team and working together. Being a servant, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But... When humility, consider others better than yourself. Not looking for your own interests, but the interests of others. Do nothing, do everything without complaining or grumbling. Have the same attitude as Christ. I challenge you this week, take that scripture and just meditate on it every day. Now meditating in the biblical form isn't sitting there and emptying your mind of everything. That doesn't help anybody. It's taking the word and thinking on it and speaking it and pondering it over and over again, allowing it to come into our spirit and transform who we are. Because there's so much in there that God wants to to work in us and through us for his purpose. He writes and says, even if my life is poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice, we won't complain, we won't do anything else because that's how we live. But just in case we need some more reminders, we can see that actually Jesus is the one when he came, he said in Matthew 20 that he came not to serve, I mean not to be served, but to serve. His whole purpose was to come and serve. Mark chapter 9 verse 35, and the the context is this, is that they just come to Capernaum, I think it was, and the disciples en route had been arguing about who's the greatest. Nothing new. Nothing new for them, nothing new for us. And in the context of all of that, that, Jesus says this to them. If anyone wants to be first, he must be last. And the, great, and the servant of all. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 to 9, you read about slaves and masters in the context of that. And it says, serve wholeheartedly as if you are serving the Lord, not men. For we know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether slave or free. And we often look at that and we look, that's about slaves and masters, and we think, well, that's the context of work. We kind of put that parallel. Well, that was them, slaves and masters in those days, the context of work. Do your work, work wherever you work, uh, as unto the Lord, which is right and which is good. But it's so much more than just work. In the context here, it's speaking about slaves and masters. In those days, slaves didn't have rights. They're at the master's beck and call whenever. So it's not like you're nine to five, clock, clock on, and while you clocked on, then you work as if to the Lord. But it's actually your entire life. Whatever you do, 
work at it as if you're working for God, not man. Because we see that and recognize that actually there's one who is higher. We serve God first, and through serving God, we serve others. We have a greater master who is our Lord, Savior, our Father, and our friend. And when we look at the picture of Jesus and how the Bible speaks about servant-heartedness or being a servant, it is laying your life down completely. That we would empty ourselves of everything and for, all for his glory, for his sake, even if it's like a drink offering poured on a sacrifice. And even saying those things and preparing it, I was thinking, well, well, what about if we get taken advantage of? Surely God can't mean that. What, uh, am I then thinking, well, I need to be a doormat, that everybody just walks all over us? Or, 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 or what about people abusing their position, and then surely then we don't be a servant? How, how does that all fit into it? The truth is, probably, well, probably definitely, you will face persecution. You will be taken advantage of. There will be times where you are actually like a doormat that everybody walks over. I hope not in the kingdom or in the church context, but you would be in the world. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. And our human self doesn't like that. But Jesus says these words. He says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, a student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough to be like him, but he's not above him. And that was in the context of people saying all sorts of things. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were calling, saying that he served Beelzebub. So what he's saying is, whatever he faced, we would face. And that's it. Was Jesus taken for granted? Yes. Was he abused? Yes. Did people take advantage of his grace and his love? Yes, and they still do. Did it change his heart and his attitude of, I'm here to do the Father's will and not my own? Did it change his servant heart of, I've come to serve, not be served? Well, I'll serve, but if they take advantage of me, then I'm stopping that. Not at all. You see how this actually isn't a very easy message to, to hear. Because none of us want to think, well, I'll serve, but if they take advantage of me, then that's just wrong. Where's justice? Justice is issued by God, not us. We call to serve like he is. We follow Jesus' example, which has laid his life down even unto death. Remember the words? If my life is poured out like an offering on a sacrifice... In order for a sacrifice to be a sacrifice, it has to be dead. And when we live our lives for him, we live as a sacrifice, die to ourselves, and live for him. You see, being part of, it's probably just the term from someone here. No, 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 no. Sorry, I don't know whose alarm that thingy was, that was, but it's kind of, sometimes we can feel that. Exactly that. A prophetic phone ringing. You see how, I hope you're getting the picture. It's not an easy one. Because it doesn't sit comfortably with our humanness. But our humanness is fallen. And we're not called to live our lives for ourselves, but we're called to follow him and live his way 
in every aspect of our lives. Jesus' death on the cross that we're going to celebrate at Easter, we sung about today, we constantly celebrate every single day as a gift of grace. Do people take it for granted? Yes. Do people try and abuse that? Yes. Does it change the fact that it is still a gift from God? No. You see, if we say, well, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to feel like that, or I'll do it to this degree, we haven't understood what it really means to follow Jesus as a servant as he lived. That's why I was saying meditate on that scripture, because as we meditate on that, it slowly transforms us. And so we can expect that in the world. I would hope that we don't experience that in the church. Unfortunately, the church isn't perfect, and we are all make huge mistakes, and we do experience some of those things, but it doesn't change the truth. Remember the first week? We build our lives on the truth of God's word. Whether it's comfortable or not is immaterial. It's the truth. Whether it fits with society or culture is immaterial. It's the truth. And the truth says we to live as servants as Jesus did. Our lives poured out for him. And it's okay because just as Jesus came to earth and was filled with the Holy Spirit and spent time with the Father and was led by the Spirit, the same is true for you and I. We're not here alone. We have the Holy Spirit with us. We have access to God our Father who, who and through His Spirit pours into our lives strength and the ability to actually walk how He's called us to walk if we walk led by the Spirit. And that's led by the Spirit in every aspect of our life. Not just some but all. In the area of servant-heartedness or being a servant, that's what it is. So if you ask, well, should I be a doormat in this situation at work by bosses like this? To be honest, I'm not going to tell you how you to respond. What I would tell you is this. Look at the Word of God. In whatever situation you face, look at the Word of God and what does the Word of God say? And, and then go and talk to God and ask him to show you the strategy for your situation today. Because what you hear him say will never contradict the word. But if we put those two together with the written word of God and the strategy that God gives you, walk in that. And, and that's going to change depending on who you are, depending on different times of life. I was a, a graphic designer years ago, and my first job, I remember they used to, I, I, I just worked. I just worked. I loved the job, but I would work. I would just, we'd start early, and I'd work, and then sometimes they, some of the typical designers, some of the admin wasn't that great, so I'd work, go to home group, go back to work, carry on, and, and, and it carried on and carried on. I think, well, they're taking advantage. It's like God didn't tell me to do anything differently. And then at one point I said, God, surely this isn't right because now I can't do the other things that you're calling me to do. I haven't got time to spend with people to preach, to share the gospel, to show them the love because I'm just so concentrated in this. So he gave me a strategy in order to follow. So that's an example of actually there might, and he didn't tell me that the first week they did it. It was probably a good few months after doing it. So whatever situation you face, Whatever challenges are, are maybe adding on or compounding on, you think, well, I'm not going to be a doormat. I'm not going to be taken advantage of. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. Can I encourage you? Go to the Word. See what the Word says. 
and ask God for a strategy for your situation today. And walk in that because then you will have freedom, you will have joy. And if he asks you to carry on serving in the way you have, he'll give you the strength and the, uh, the grace to do it. If he gives you a strategy to, to bring an end to it, to change it, then he'll give you the grace and the strategy to do that too. But what I'm saying is, don't go to man, go to God. Don't go to someone who you know is going to say, well, no, no, that's obviously wrong. You have to do this and they're there. Go to God in everything. Because then we live in the fullness of life that he has for us. You see, our purpose is beyond ourselves. Our purpose is to know him, to make him known, to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations from your neighborhood all the way across the world, to be salt and light. Those places that you live, those places that you work, you to be salt and light. How, do, how are we that? By living according to the word, by being a servant as Jesus was, laying our lives down, totally opposite to what the world sees. That's just one of the many aspects of who we are. You see, having a servant heart is a big deal for God. Therefore, it should be a big deal for us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, when it's speaking about using our freedom not to sin, but it says, use the freedom that you have in Christ to serve one another. Not use the freedom that you have to do what you want. Or the freedom that you have to say, no, I'm not doing this, I'm doing this. Use the freedom that you have in Christ to serve one another. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11 says, Use whatever, you gift you've, whatever gift you've received. Remember when we looked at spiritual gifts? Was it this year or last year? I can't remember. We looked at the spiritual gifts and what, remember, use whatever gift you've received to serve one another, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. See, servant-heartedness, being a servant, is important to God. And it reflects Jesus. If we look at Jesus, he had humility. When we look at that scripture that we read in Philippians, humility, no vain conceit, consider others better than yourselves, look to the interests of others, not the interests of ourselves. That's what it means to be a servant. But we remember that we are a servant of God's. And as serving God, we serve others. So no matter what our earthly masters or earth, people on earth do, we're not serving them, we're serving him. So we take our cue from him. We ask him what to do. Make sense? So that's the one part, being servant-hearted. The second, we're going to go through a little bit quicker, is being team. Because the two go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. They go hand in hand. And again, we start at the beginning with God. We look at God and we see that God's a triune God. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, perfect team. We see in Genesis, God created Adam and he created Eve and they were a team to fulfill what God had instructed them to do. And that hasn't changed. And we see all the way through scripture, Moses. He had Moses, Aaron, Miriam, and her. We had them. David had various teams. Jesus had the three, the 12, the 52, the What's this? Sorry, the 72 and the 120. Various team, And he sent them out two by two. Then we look at the apostles. There was Paul and Barnabas and Silas and Timothy worked together as teams and then these guys and then those guys. And so what we have across scripture from the very beginning and looking at God, 
this issue of working together in team. God's plan is never that we would be independent, self-reliant. Why do you think the... I've totally gone blank. What, is, what did we have with COVID restrictions? Lockdown. Lockdown. <laughs> Why do you think that was so hard, where people have to isolate? Because we're not created to live in isolation. Why do you think solitary confinement is a, is a terrible punishment, if not torture? Because we're created to live and grow in community with others. Why? Because our purpose is beyond ourselves. To reach others. To preach the gospel. To share the love of God. To show them who they are. And team is important pattern in the kingdom of God. And we look at everything. Philippians chapter 2, being like-minded. Same love, one spirit. Again, it's sometimes an easy concept to think think that we've grasped. But not really always to live out. That's why we need God. You see, someone said this, the nature of team is the unselfish cooperation by a group to act as one. All contribute equally, but not identically. The unselfish cooperation by a group to act as one, all contribute equally, but not identically. In that environment, freedom is released. For each person to participate fully as to who they are. And so what we see is actually a team, every person in the team is of equal value. They just have different functions. If you look in marriage, a husband and a wife are of equal value. Completely equal in value. They have different functions. In church leadership, it's team. We have different functions but equal in value. The problem is mankind equates value with function. And so if someone's seen in doing this, then they're seen as more important and more valuable, and so you build hierarchies, which doesn't work as a team, which doesn't work in line with who God is, because actually the only one who is greater is God, and we're serving him. And we get this incredible privilege to co-labor with God as a team with him. And he is definitely far greater than any of us. But we are all equal. And every single one of us has a valid and important contribution to make. It's different, but it's all important. I remember when we looked at the, the different metaphors and the pictures of the church. When we looked at the body. Remember that one when we looked at the scripture about the body where each part has a, each member has a part to play and each member is incredibly important even though it might look like it's insignificant, it is vitally important. The same is true when we look at in, in, in the context of team. If I just think of the goalie in a hockey team, if the team plays well, the goalie doesn't touch the ball. But you daren't remove him from the field. But how often do we think, well, I'm, I'm going to be part, I'm going to do this, I'm going to part, I'm not doing anything, I'm, I'm leaving. And everything's exposed. You see, every single person, whether you at a moment are actively doing something or are in a supportive role, you have a part to play. That's how God's created us. And so as we live our lives serving those around us, 
as servants, we do it together with so much that God has for us to do because we have a mission. We have a purpose, which is a kingdom purpose, not a, not a James 1 or a your, your 1. It's God's kingdom. And every single person has a role to play, to preach the gospel. The agenda is that of the kingdom. So uh, when, I, when I say that we are equal, and I can hear some people, certainly my children when they're studying history, saying that's like communism or socialism. It's not at all. So please don't hear me say everybody's equal. And like, what was it, George Orwell? Everybody's equal, but some are more equal than others. Uh, this is as political as I ever get. It's not communism. It's not Marxism. It's not socialism. We have very much live in a kingdom with a king. That's it. And he is king, and our purpose is to advance his mission and his call. And we are all equal in value, and we are called to work together as a team to fulfill the mission that God's called us to. Because there's one king, and it's not you, and it's not me. It's him. And so we live as his servants, working together in team to accomplish everything that he's called us to. Our lives poured out like a drink offering. See, the overall agenda of the team in the kingdom is to accomplish that which the king has told us to do. And the incredible thing is, the king of this kingdom, the only true king, is a servant king. Just think of that. Jesus didn't equate equality with God something to be grasped or taken for granted. But he laid it down to live as a servant, even death on the cross, for you and I. We can think, well, he did that. That's incredible. Is God still moving on your behalf? I would hope everybody say yes. It's not a trick question. Well, it is, kind of. <laughs> is God still doing stuff in your life? When we praise, God's still moving. So in other words, the king of the kingdom in some way, is still serving you. Ever think of that? That's enough to make us fall flat on our face and live very humbly. Because the king of the kingdom didn't just come and serve and die on the cross. And that was his serving, servant, serving finished. That's, that's the pinnacle. But he is continually moving on our behalf. Serving us. Yet, yet we never see it like that. And yet we refuse to serve others. The triune God is still, is still there. And, and we refuse to be in team. And the whole problem is we've taken our focus off Jesus. And put it onto ourselves. So I want to end with some very practical things of pulling it together. You see, to work as team, to be as servants, it requires a personal covenant commitment, which is a commitment made together with God to work together. It requires humility for us to be considerate. 
for us to trust others, for honesty, transparency, honor, respect, the ability to work with others, the ability to hear and listen and hear what others are doing and be, to go beyond ourselves. And there's so much more you could probably put in there. But that's a little bit of who we are called to be and how we're called to be. But if we to live as servants of God, reflecting him and with servant heart, and as a team, these are some things that I think we should put in place. The first is keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. That everything you do is for him. Everything that we do is because of him, but for him. You see, if we take our eyes off Jesus... We then become frustrated, we become impatient, we can feel like a victim, all sorts of things. We become irritated, we, we look at how we can promote ourselves, and, and, and we look for praise from people, we, we grow weary, we give up. But if we keep our focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who died for us and rose again, the one who has made a way, the one who loves us and calls us to love him with everything that we are and to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching people about him, the one who served and continued to serve, Jesus at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. If we keep our focus on Jesus, that everything that we do in all of our existence is for him and him alone, and we, th- then we, we won't grow weary. He said those who are tired and weary to come to him. And he will renew our strength. We don't fall v- to like a victim, woe is me, sorry for me kind of uh, situation. Because it's not about us, it's about him. But you see, the moment we take our gaze off Jesus, we are in trouble. And then we no longer live as servants and we no longer live and work as part of a team. Why? Because we're fighting for our own corner. The thing is that he's the one who defends us. He's the one who upholds us. He's the one who vindicates. We leave it for him. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus laid his life down completely. Like a drink offering. That's how we to live. So that's the first. Is keep your eye on Jesus. Then the second because we're looking at how it becomes a culture, is look for ways and opportunities to serve and to work together. Simple things. Start with simple things. Opening a door, making a coffee, picking up rubbish. See, servant-heartedness and kindness, I think, go hand in hand. Because you serve someone not because they deserve it. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we deserved it. We don't serve someone because they deserve it, because they responded well the last time, because there's anything. We do it because Jesus did it, and he tells us to follow him, and if we're his disciples, then we live like he calls us to live. So we look for opportunities. Don't wait to be asked. If you see a need, fulfill it. If you see something that needs to be done, do it. Small things, so that it becomes a lifestyle rather than an event. It's the same with everything. Every principle we see in Scripture. Remember last week? I think it was last week. Prayer is to become a lifestyle, not an event. Evangelism witness is to become a lifestyle, not an event. Being generous is a lifestyle, not an occasion. The same with being a servant. 
and working as a team is a lifestyle and how we get there is to put in place the little things that then actually it starts growing and growing and growing to make it a lifestyle. So the first is to keep your eyes on Jesus. The second is to look for ways to serve and opportunities. And the third is see how you can involve others. Don't just do it on your own. And I know that's easy to say. Ask anybody who knows me. Sometimes I just think, well, it's easier if I just do it on my own because I can do it and it's done right. (laughs) The truth is, it's done and it's only done my way. Might not necessarily be right, but it's my way, so I think it's right. And sometimes we just do it like that because we think it's quicker. If I do it, then I have to retry. Look for opportunities to involve others in what you're doing. Look for opportunities to involve others in serving with you. Why? Because then it becomes a lifestyle for you. You helping encourage someone else to make it a lifestyle for them. And God is working through those relationships to fashion and form us into his likeness. You see, it's so easy to carry on our merry way without ever changing if we never involved other people. No one to rub you up the wrong way. No one to do something that irritates you. You just do it your way and that's it. That's done. How do we grow? And we lose the richness of who God's put with us. And so there are so many things for us to do in the church. There's so, many, there's so much stuff that there is around. So, so let me, can I just be cheeky? The next time you, you go to the loo here and there's no toilet paper, don't come find me and say there's no toilet paper. It's like, go and find some. I don't mind doing it. I do it every week. But that's a silly example. And I can't remember the last time anyone did that. So I'm quite safe when using that. But that's the mindset. I do ask you for toilet paper. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> He said he'll never ask us for toilet paper. It's a, but that's the mindset. It's a simple thing that actually I've got a part to play. Let me be proactive. Let me not wait. If there's a need, let me fix it. Actually, let me take some along so we can do it together. And we build like that. Makes sense? So I told you, not an easy one, that being a servant is not easy. Working in team is not easy. But both of those are biblical principles and are essential. So let's give ourselves to them. And I know we mess up. I mess up, you mess up, we all mess up. But actually let's work on it so that we move forward. Don't disqualify yourself or remove yourself because you feel like the goalie who's never seen the ball and so I'm not going to play. What you're doing is you're robbing yourself of everything that God has gifted you with, but you're also robbing others. So let's do it together. And every single one of you is as important and valuable as every other one. As, and I'm not more important, I've just got a different function. And so if we come with an attitude of a servant heart before God and fulfilling everything and serving and doing what God's called us to do, I think what happens is the product of a team working well is far greater than the sum of all the contributions. It's almost like those contributions are bought and the effectiveness is multiplied. Why? Because we're doing it humbly before him because it's all about Jesus. Our lives are not ours, they're his. And we live beyond ourselves. Let's pray. Father God, We thank you for your word, even when it hurts.
And Lord, I pray that through looking at these scriptures and these principles, that as we continue, as we did it during our time of song worship, of God, let everything that is not of you be stripped away. Lord, let that be true in every area of our lives. Lord, if we battle to serve, help us to see and to follow your example. If we battle to work in team, give us the grace and the ability to do that because that's your way. And Father, we acknowledge that actually in it all, it's not about us, it's about you. Jesus, come and take your place in each one of our lives. That as we focus on you, as we do what you've called us to do, how you've called us to be, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored, that the the lost would get saved, that those that don't know you would come to a relationship with you through us. Those that you've asked to carry the message, to show your love, to bring people through to a relationship with you. And Father, let us be a people who live with a servant-hearted lifestyle together as team rather than an occasion or an event. God, we are humbled by your love for us, your servant heart for everything. Lord, we're just humbled by you. Help us to walk as you've called us to walk in the fullness of who you've created us to be. For your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Please join us for tea and coffee. There is there. If that gets too noisy, there is at the back. You might have noticed as you walked in, we've now got a visitor welcome tea and coffee area at the back. So if it gets too noisy in there, there is tea and coffee there for you as well.